Hi, this is your host, Jeff Ragavan, and you're listening to Marketing Mix, where we hear from some of the most influential CMOs of today to discuss the strategies of tomorrow. Today, I'm joined with Melissa Hobley, global CMO at OKCupid, and one of my favorite people. Melissa, great to have you on the show. Jeff, thanks so much for having me. You're one of my favorite people. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, Melissa, lots of uh, exciting updates on your end. I know this past year in 2020, you were uh, Forbes 50 most influential CMOs in the world. So congratulations. That's epic. It's so funny. My mom wrote them a letter and I guess it worked. So, you know, I'll take it. Huge honor. And, you know, I mean, listen, I'm excited to get to tap into your your expertise today. You know, for everybody that's, you know, tuning in right now, OkCupid is the dating app that actually matches you on what really matters. And so, you know, Melissa, I just want to like dig right in. Um, you know, you and I have been friends for years and uh, you've been at OkCupid, I think for what, three years now? Three years now. That's right. And, you know, you joined as you were essentially their first ever global CMO. And, uh, you know, you've really been responsible for launching that pretty awesome Wyden and Kennedy created DTF campaign. Um, and that was uh, that was voted like the best campaign of the year by Adweek, I think by AdAge, Business Insider, Forbes. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, and I think many of us know what DTF stands for, but maybe you could elaborate a little bit. Yeah, well, you can ask that all the time, right? I I love being asked that. I could talk about that all day, um, and I get to talk about it with you. It's so fun for the next hour. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, you know, DTF it stands for down to fuck, and it is most commonly used by straight guys when they're talking to their other guy friends <laughs> about other girls. Like, is she right. DTF? Um, or it's something a guy might say to a girl, hey, are you DTF? And it has this negative kind of slut-shaming label I didn't want, um, tone to it. And uh, the the insight that drove that was there's a lot we want to change about dating and dating behavior from the bars to the apps to the bedroom. And let's let's flip the meaning of DTF and bring it to life in a lot of ways. And Wyden was like such a cool partner, uh, you know, but here's the thing, Jeff is okay. Cupid, you know, why not? had never had a marketing team, had not a CMO, had not run a single like ad campaign and was, was 16 years old. So it's pretty unusual. I guess we were 15 that rolled out. Right. And especially as like a consumer digital business uh, in the dating space. That's really unusual. So, so, you know, also we needed to do something to like get you to look at OkCupid in a new way. And like, why should you consider trying us if you're trying to find your person, you're trying to find your Saturday night, you're trying to find your third, you're trying to find <laughs> someone else who identifies as non-binary, right? Like whatever it is, we do all right. of it with sex positive, the whole thing. So, so um, that campaign was just one of the most um, interesting moments of my career. Maurizio Catalan shot it. If you are an art person, you would know that name. If you are not an art person, you would know him maybe because he's the guy that did the, the, the solid golden toilet and um, he's, you know, provocative and political and, and interesting. And he was such an awesome partner and we were shooting it like on set and coming up with what are, what are different 
DTFs. You're down to fall in love. You're down to farmer's market because that's like a cute thing okay. you do and like you're a new couple. Um, and one of the things that we came up with, uh, you're down to fight about the president and um, down to filter out the far right. And we came up with it on the spot and, you know, we was this beautifully manicured hand dropping a gun into the toilet. And at the time, this is like Charlottesville. It was the early days of Trump's presidency. So, you know, it was just like a super interesting campaign. But what was great is it did actually turn around the business and it got us lots of buzz, lots of attention. And for for people that listen to your podcast that are in New York City, you may have seen that on the, the New York City subway. And you know, it was just a, it was, it was great because, um, you know, one of our F's was down to finish my novel because you are many, so many, especially 20 somethings, 30 somethings, you know, you've got a side hustle, you're writing something. Um, and the campaign was inclusive of races and genders and sexual orientations and types of love. And so it was just an amazing experience. And, you know, the nice thing was it, it had an impact, right? Like it's nice if you do something that looks really beautiful and cool and interesting, but if it doesn't actually impact the business, then you still haven't done right by by your brand. And for OKCupid, it did help people to take um, take a look at us and consider us. It's cool. So, I mean, I think we could both agree that, you know, OKCupid's marketing is very provocative and also purposeful at its core. So it's, uh, it's great to be able to, uh, you know, hit two birds with one stone. So kudos to you guys, you know, and I think, Obviously, the Alchemy podcast, which we're on now, is, you know, really focused on the intersection of cannabis and creativity. So I'm sure many of the folks that are actually listening in now, it's like, well, how does that relate to cannabis, right? And that's one of the really exciting reasons that I was um, really pumped to have you on the show is because you guys are doing some really interesting stuff around, you know, smoking culture and, you know, kind of matching people in that process of trying to find a date. So maybe you can help us break down like how that works in OkCupid. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, one of our most popular to that point, one of the insights um, for DTF and for a lot of the work we do is, you know, we want to be the app that matches you on what matters. So we're the only dating app with filters like Trump, uh, climate change, do you believe in it or not, um, social justice, immigration, and maybe you don't want to talk about your, you know, your political party, maybe it's lighter things like margarita versus sangria, or, you know, um, a beach versus mountains, ski versus surf, but. Uh, Can you also choose, like, uh, obviously, if you didn't want to choose Trump, but you wanted to choose, like, what if you were a Republican and you didn't want to date someone who wasn't a Republican so that you wouldn't fight? Could you do that too? Absolutely. So we're nonpartisan. So we have, frankly, the Trump filter, you can use either way. Um, uh, but you, but yes, we have people that are conservative who um, and liberal who don't need someone that agrees with them, but they, they actually want somebody that has an opinion. And so the, right, the, the turn on is the debate. The turn on is somebody who has an opinion and, you know, that's like what makes you want to take each other's clothes off at the end of the night is, wow, I like how your brain works, you know, and, and, and smoking and cannabis is part of that. So one of our more popular questions, especially in places like New York and San Francisco and the, and the Midwest, um, like in Chicago specifically is, um, are you down to 420? And that was one of our, we brought that to life in the DTF campaign. And it's, it's a way that people connect on OKCupid. And, um, 
we have hundreds of thousands of answers to that question because um, if that is a part of your lifestyle and whether you know whether you're smoking or it's gummies or whatever, you um, that may be an important component um, in matching right with with that other person. And so um, the way that OkCupid works is we 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 have over three thousand questions. We're kind of famous for this and. Our questions are like a living and breathing um, thing. And the way that you answer that uh, is what powers the algorithm. So if you tell me that you want someone that also smokes, um, you we actually ask you how important is that? And that helps us with you know all of the thousands and thousands of people that might be in your area uh, that helps us figure out who to show to you and how important to rank them. So so it's pretty awesome. And, you know, that was also why, you know, some of the marketing we've done, we've done can be provocative is could you date someone that didn't vote? Could you date someone that didn't also smoke? Could you, could you date someone that didn't like to travel? Like I can't imagine dating someone that didn't vote, that, that didn't vote. I can imagine dating someone that didn't want to travel. And, and we make you think about these things. And by the way, you can opt out of any of them. You don't have to answer any question. You have to answer 15 to be able to get online. But Right. But, but Jeff, you know, it's really fun from a marketing perspective, but also those are the like building blocks of a healthy relationship. And I'm sure you have people that maybe, maybe you smoke and you didn't someone that didn't. And you, you know, you, you may have hit some roadblocks or, you know, if you had these moments like at the end of the night, someone wanted to smoke, someone didn't. And it was, it was a bit of a thing. Um, or, you know, maybe you do need someone that, um, is not in the same political party, but, uh, doesn't you know, feel passionately about Trump. I'm just sharing some stories and anecdotes that we've heard from, right. from daters. Um, we're the only dating app that, that can take some of that information and help you, help you have a curated, you know, group of people to think about that, you know, we think you might want to go out with and, and make out with when, when you can in a COVID era. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think just as far as, you know, the notion of having questions in there about, 420 and cannabis and all that fun stuff, especially, you know, in the industry that I'm working in, I think you guys are actually doing quite a bit in breaking down taboos that might still exist, uh, you know, around the industry. So even for people who don't smoke or who might be even a little kind of curious, as we call it, seeing that in a platform like that kind of opens up the kind of broad spectrum of like, hey, you know what, this is not really taboo anymore. This is like every everybody's dealing with this in their own, you know, ways and their own lifestyles. And I think that's great that you guys have added in there. And I'm sure that uh, there's a lot of companies out there, probably even in the dating space that are probably taking cues from you guys that really uh, are important and pivotal parts of finding a mate. So, well, uh, that's really nice of you to say. And again, but you know, we, I think we, we reflect back what we hear from our daters and we started to see more and more conversations about uh, cannabis on profiles. So the other thing that makes it, I think, easier for us to do that is our profiles are a little bit richer not a little bit. They're a lot richer. You know, on, on some dating apps, you might see like, you know, a sign, maybe like where they live, maybe their age. And on OkCupid, we really encourage you to tell us more because, um, you know, we, again, if you're going to match on what matters, whatever matters to you is cool, but we got to like help you tell that. And, you know, before our chat, I took a look and the increase in cannabis references on profiles between 
2016 to 2020 is over 200%. Wow. Um, which is remarkable. And it shows you, right? And it, yeah, and it shows you a couple things. One of the things that shows you is that people want to signal that this is what they're about. Um, another thing it shows you to you, to, to your point just then is that, you know, the stigma is like certainly dwindling away. They're signaling that, you know, this is like one of the things that matters to them or it's part of their life. And, and, um, and obviously that's kind of working because it keeps going up and up and up, you know, I'd be curious to see where that, you know, where that has shifted down the road. And we just think that's great. You know, the more that you put out there, the more, the higher the likelihood that someone's going to read about you and be like, wow, you like sound kind of interesting. Or like, that's also my jam. Or that's not my jam. You said maybe I'm kind of curious, but I, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued and I get an idea like of, of, you know, what kind of person you are. That's going to be like a fun date or whatever. So I think that's like, one, I think the data from the last four years, 200%, you know, on the cannabis side is, is like I said, not, it's not surprising, but it's also pretty awesome. And, you know, I'm sure you have a, a tremendous amount of data on people that do smoke along with some other, you know, consumption habits, but I'm just curious, and you might not have an answer to this, but like any other, like, have you been able to discover anything in particular, let's just say about, you know, cannabis consumption, you know, maybe there's some other angles that you've been able to like splice together. Like, Hey, these people who have indicated they smoke cannabis also X, Y, and Z, or do this and that. Like, I'm just curious if there's any correlation with other data points. Yeah, there are some correlation to other data points. So, um, one of the, we do see a correlation with people sharing their political party and sharing, um, if they are down to 420 as, as, um, as one of our our um, marketing uh, pieces said, we see a correlation between if you tell us that you are uh, um, if, that you are into cannabis, you are also more likely to share other things about yourself, which kind of makes sense. But what's interesting about that is that's not true of other things, right? So you may say that you're really into, I don't know, skiing. I, I'm not gonna. There's no correlation between, you know, lots of the things you might tell us about yourself and then, and then you go on, you know, I know that I'm going to get a rich profile. If you have taken the time to tell us that you're into this, you're probably going to tell us other things too, which, um, you know, which helps us to say that, um, you know, sharing more and sharing some of those data points uh, is helpful. We do see that for people that um, tell us that they are into cannabis they also tend to be liberal leaning in cities. So that may not be surprising. You might also say, you know, a lot of people in cities tend to lean progressive anyway, but, you know, kind of, kind of interesting. Um, we certainly see some age correlation, i.e. our younger daters are more likely first to tell us that they're that they're into cannabis and to proactively like share that on their profile. But we're seeing that also start to change and be more and more something that we see with our, our older dates, daters, you know, on OkCupid, like with most dating apps, we, we support all kinds of love from 18 to 108. Um, and, you know, it's interesting what we, the shifts we, we're starting to see with daters, you know, in their forties, fifties, sixties, et cetera. Yeah. The reason I ask is just because, you know, we obviously at Philo sit on so much data, 
and when it comes to cannabis consumers. And so, you know, when we look at some of the data, like, you know, when you think about even strains like sativa is, you know, most people will smoke a sativa if they want to go to a party or they want to go outside or they're hiking or either even, you know, working out. Right. And so I'm just curious if there's like, I don't know, this could be an interesting study where you like do a cross section of all the people that have indicated that they consume cannabis and like, what is their interest and intent when it comes to other activities? Like, are they, you know, going outdoors and hiking and doing adventurous things? Because you have that, I think when it comes to stigma with cannabis, people are like, oh, you're just like, you know, a stoner on the couch. Like that, that idea is gone. You know, right. exactly, exactly. Kind of, it is now, you know, moved into every single aspect of life across every age group. That's such a great question. And I am sure that we, I don't have that data in front of me, but I, I am literally making a note to look into that because I'm sure um, there are some interesting things to find there. And, you know, we did a big, we did a, a deep dive on data before the election. And we were able to say that voters make better lovers. And so, you know, I think there's, I'm sure there's some conclusions that we can draw from, um, from cannabis users and love as well. And by the way, you can say voters make better lovers because um, they were more likely to, to message and more likely if you're, if you identify as a voter, you're more likely to message, more likely to swipe right. You're more likely to ask someone out. Um, I mean, and, and our data sets obviously are huge. We're one of the biggest dating apps in the world. So we can, you know, we could, we could say this is true around the world, but also you believe in, in, um, that you have a voice. You believe that you can impact an outcome, right? You think about like how some of those parallels apply to the bedroom and, um, you know, it becomes super interesting. And so I'm sure, we would see some interesting parallels in the cannabis space that wouldn't, as you said, would like totally buck like the old trend of like you're a stoner, you don't do anything. One area that you might even want to look at as things are starting to open up to now is like the whole psychedelic space, right? Like this is quickly accelerating is kind of the next big wave. So like, yeah, that could be something, I don't know if you guys are doing that, but that's probably another thing that somebody might be interested in, you know, finding a mate, you know, with, because that's something that's extremely like some people are like, oh no, I wouldn't do that. But there's a lot of people that are experimenting with it now. So I don't know, maybe it's another questionnaire to add I, to the okay Cupid, you know, process. That's super interesting. And totally, I, that would be something really fun to look into. So aside from mushrooms and cannabis, <laughs> um, anything like, you know, as far as uh, trends that you maybe have noticed about what's happening, you know, on your site, uh, in the app, anything like really kind of eye-opening for you? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Love in the time of COVID, you know, it's really interesting. Basically, um, you know, COVID as a city, well, here's what happened. As a city went into lockdown, whether it was in Europe or Asia or the U.S., uh, you, as a city went into lockdown, engagement on dating apps, including OkCupid, skyrocketed. Uh right. Yeah. And it was really interesting. You know, we obviously like a lot of businesses, a lot of industries got very, very nervous with COVID, but, uh, what, you know, what we were always talking to daters and what we were hearing is, you know, I, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to my local coffee shop. I'm not going to the dive bar that I go to every Thursday. I'm not out seeing my friends. I'm not at the gym. I'm not at 
the spin class, whatever it is. And all those touch points are gone. And the desire to be connected, especially with, you know, so many of our daters are single 20 somethings in cities and the desire to feel connected, to feel less isolated was, was really high. I mean, people were skin hungry too, right? So, so dating apps enabled you to safely connect and chat with people and, and sparks were flying. Um, so, so, you know, um, COVID was, you know, was a very interesting time. And, and, you know, we had some of our, our, frankly, some very, very big moments um, in terms of engagement and usage that we've had in a long time this year. Uh, so, you know, that was really interesting. Some of the shifts were also interesting. Um, you know, people became really relaxed about certain things. So this may or may not surprise you, but women are really frustrating. And I, you know, I was single in New York city for 12 years. So I get it ladies, like dating is hard. I get it. Uh, but, but women are, you know, I want this height. I want a good job. I want this neighborhood or mama, you know, um, super good look. They're just very, did he go to good school? They're, they have a list of things and they started to relax those things. And, um, and you know, people are long distance dating and people are having really romantic dates where they would take each other on like a virtual Google tour of their hometown in Indiana or, uh, reading a book together, watching a movie together. Um, so, you know, there were some, some beautiful romantic moments. Um, and, not to take away from, you know, it was a hard year for a lot of people. Uh, but, you know, I think um, what we felt good about is people were able to go to dating apps to to feel connected, to find connections. Some of them turned out to be friendships. Some of them turned into more. Um, some of them moved in together because of COVID. You know, maybe they got together when things were looking a little bit easier, right? And when was that? Late summer, early fall, um, yeah. before things yeah. got scary again. So. Um, so it's an interesting time, but we are also expecting a real, um, uh, explosion. Um, someone just said, oh, a sex explosion. I was like, sure. <laughs> when, you know, when things are a little more back to normal and you see the vaccine having a big rollout and we're less worried about all these variants and, um, you know, I guess the big question is when that will be, but. Well, I think, listen, it's, uh. It's great to hear that you've been kind of the the glue for many people to kind of, you know, keep connected and meet new people and in really tough times. So uh, it's great to hear that. And of course, you know, I'm a huge fan of what you're doing, especially with, you know, adding all of this, uh, you know, cultural relevance uh, to something that most people are not even thinking about. So, you know, really appreciate that. And then, you know, Melissa, you know how this show goes. Like we talk about work and all sorts of stuff and then we kind of end things with some quick fire questions. Yes, I do. Are you ready? I'm ready, Jeff. I'm ready. Okay. So one, what's the best thing that happened to you today? My one and a half year old broke into my room while I was on a tense conference call and totally cut the tension in the air. Nice. I, and I, yes, I've seen your kids on Instagram. And <laughs> they're going to be celebrities someday. They're animals, but they're they're my animals. What did you think was going to be amazing, but actually turned out to be pretty horrible? Today or no, it doesn't have to be today. In general, in general, um, oh god, um, our response to the COVID pandemic. Although, did I think that was going to be great? Probably not, but it was terrible. <laughs> Okay, this one is definitely for you. 
What word is a lot of fun to say? Sensual. I talk about sex and dating all day. So oh, I thought I, you were going to say fuck. Oh, I, really, I like the, I, I love the word fuck. I say it I, too much. Yes. I totally thought you were going to say that. But sensual, sensual is good too. That's kind of a fun word to say. You, you know what people are trying to get to when they say it. And you, can't, you kind of like can't say it without slowing down. Like try to say sensual really fast. You're like, oh, I... I got to like slow down. Like I get, I get, I get in the mood. (laughs) Nice. Okay. So this one could be a funny one. And I think you probably have, if anybody has a good story about this, but what was your best story from a wedding? Oh, best story from a wedding was, uh, being on the dance floor with Paula Abdul and who was also a guest at said wedding and living out my 12-year-old fantasy of dancing next to Paula Abdul when a Paula Abdul song uh, came on by like a totally sick, insane band. As you can imagine, if, if Paula Abdul is the wedding, it's like going to be a fun wedding. Yes. Oh, that's a good story. <laughs> Very good story. It's hard to top that. Yeah. Well, Mel, it's uh, always a pleasure. It was great to have you on. Great to such a pleasure. You, yeah. I can't wait for your own late night show. Oh my God. When is that going to be? I don't know, but it can't come soon enough. Uh, this is so fun. And thanks for, you know, the chat and, and, you know, you, you always have the right questions and you're framing things up in the right way. So it's really, it's really fun to, to talk it out. Well, it's easy when I have super great guests like you. Uh, you're, you're the best. I'm blushing. I'm blushing. <laughs> Well, listen, it's always great to hear your voice and, um, you know, everything you're, you're doing over there. And, you know, I've been a big fan of yours for years. So, well, it's totally mutual. Congrats on everything that's happening at Philo and what an exciting, what an exciting moment for, for cannabis. Yeah. What a year. Cannabis being deemed essential before you could get a haircut. I mean, crazier things have happened, but you could, you know, for literally seven months, you can buy weed, but you couldn't get a haircut. It's unbelievable. You know, I didn't realize that. That is unbelievable. That's amazing. Wow. I know. It's been, uh, it's been great year for us uh, on the cannabis side. So despite it being challenging and tough with COVID, it's, uh, it's also been, um, it's really pushed the agenda in so many states and you, you know, you saw that with the election. Five oh my ago. gosh. It's, it's New remarkable. York. Next. New, New York, York is next. New York it's is next. Time. It's, oh, it's been incredible. I mean, I think I, you know, I think that's, what's interesting. We could have a whole other podcast about this, like the brands and the categories that thrived in a global pandemic. Certainly yeah. cannabis would be in that, you know, my, my, my friend is the CMO at Drizzly, which is, you know, the Uber for alcohol, you know, yeah. um, dating apps, um, ben and Sherry's, um, you know, there's, 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 um, there's certain players in certain categories. And again, you say this with all, um, all the sympathy and compassion in the world for our friends in restaurants and travel. Sure. Um, but, um, uh, you know, it's really, it wasn't it so interesting to see how people flocked to cannabis and flocked to their dating app and, um, you know, their hiking gear and the other, you know, things we saw, it was, it was really interesting. Wouldn't that be fun? Yes, it'd be amazing. And I, you just gave me the idea, so we're going to do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And also, because, you know, that's also, we're all asking ourselves, how do we maintain it, right? How do you keep that? How do you, for you guys, you probably had so many people that discovered the category. Um, and you still have that window where people are are, are discovering it more. And, uh, you know, I had a really, 
a really good friend who who couldn't believe the sales they were seeing in their their cannabis store um in Massachusetts leading up to the holidays and everybody's like well yeah because we're all just trying to get through it you know and um so yeah, yeah. I think um, that could be that could be fun I love it let's do it awesome well Melissa Hawley global CMO of OK Cupid thank you again you're the best and we'll see you back on the show when we do the mini series. I love it. I'm back. Awesome. I'm back. Jeff, you're the best. Thanks so much. This was great. You too. Thanks, Mel. Thanks. Talk to you soon.